0: Of Faith in the Fast Life. Brought to you by Fast Life Ministries. Come on, leave, leave. Oh, yeah! oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. The podcast that dives deep into the stories of God's redemption. 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 This week, God pulls your heartstrings.
1: God does the calling. God does the pulling, the tugging of the heartstrings. We don't.
0: Morgan Wade on faith in the fast life give our podcast a follow and check us out on instagram and facebook check out fastlifeministries.com to partner with us and keep our podcast going now let's get into the episode
2: all right what's up fast life family we are here with the one the only morgan wade we're downtown nashville and uh since we didn't catch up at the uh fast life jam 116 jam in colorado Mm -hmm. we're here we're rolling in the trucks or impromptu (laughs) this is a makeshift podcast booth but when you're living the fast life sometimes you got to just do what you got to do so morgan thank you for joining me man absolutely uh, glad we could make this happen out here so we're out here in tennessee with the professional wakeboard tour uh the stunt dudes blessed fmx uh, sharing the gospel and watching some really cool action sports stuff happen. And, uh, as we go park this truck, we're going to take a few minutes to, to get your story. So man, without further ado, nothing scripted, just go for it, man. Tell, tell us about, about Mr. Texas Wade. All right. So I was, uh, I grew up in Tyler, Texas,
1: um, hence the, the handle Texas M Wade. <laughs> um, and I had, you know, like the, the typical, Christian family upbringing. Like, my mom and dad are both Christians. Uh, My dad was saved when I was uh, very young. Mom was saved before uh, my oldest brother was born, the youngest of three. Um, So, it was interesting. Like, my my mom was saved and was going to church, and my dad was kind of like, you know, kind of standoffish a little bit, but he decided that he would go ahead and you know read this book that his wife was into, just so that he was aware of what she was. This, this book is the Bible. This book is the Bible. Okay, the manual, so to speak, right. and uh ended up <laughs> getting roped in himself, which is awesome. So God yeah. decided to use that to to uh to, to draw him near as well. And uh so I grew up going to church, and uh, your typical like good boy scenario you know i never really gotten anything too crazy or bad or never went like off the deep end of anything i don't have a rock bottom story or anything like that i uh, was about eight years old and i remember vividly uh asking my mom on the way home from town uh what you have to do to become a christian and she basically kind of laid it out to me and said well in the and pray and ask forgiveness, ask Jesus into your heart and ask him to take control of your life because there's no way but through him and she kind of led me through that prayer right then and I believe that was the moment that I was saved because I do truly believe in my heart and I proclaimed it Um, but as with everything else, you know uh, years go by and you don't take it very serious, this, that, whatever Um, but I was you know, definitely more teenager or even beyond that even a a bit before i kind of really realized that that uh
2: the gravity of it like what that actually meant what it actually meant so eight years old your mom walks you through the steps Mm -hmm. i mean how now teenager about how old like where you kind of hit you tell us more about how that came to be so i mean it was more of a gradual process for me it was there wasn't like
1: a, a, a specific aha moment because I grew up with it and I knew it, uh, I'm very familiar with you know, with the whole, the whole idea of, of being saved and, and the gospel and whatnot, but it's just kind of like, almost like a, a slow cook. It was like a slow cooker for me, if that ma- if that makes sense. So you're
2: going through the motions. Were you guys going to church every weekend
1: and all? that Yeah. Kind of oh things? yeah. Yeah. We, we go to church every weekend. I mean, it was like my dad was a Marine, so he'd, he'd, the alarm would go off, and sure enough, Dad would be get up, get up, time to get out of bed, hit the ground, run, get ready for church. You know, the whole right. the whole and, and like uh, yeah, um, but I, I guess I just over time came to the realization, that, you know, I. I for a long time just did what i want to do you know which was not nothing like dramatic or like bad so to speak but at the same time it was uh selfish and i'm still guilty of that we all do that no, still obviously short, right? but we all fall short every single day um and but there there's just a point where i just kind of came to realize you know obviously it's not me that does this. It's God that did this for me. God did this for us. And all I have to do is essentially relax and rest in that knowledge and and know that there is no way but through him, it's by grace you are saved through faith. And like, there's nothing we can do that's good enough for right. God. Yeah, there's no, nothing no we works. can do that's good enough. So it's literally a free gift you accept it, and you essentially strive at, as the Spirit enters your life. You strive to be to be better, to be more conformed to the, the image of Christ, which obviously on this
2: side of heaven is impossible. But we right. do the best we can, right? Right. So, so in your teenage years, you started to grasp that concept, right. which for many of us, like we you know we talk about on the podcast a lot. I mean, I was 35 years old before I found Jesus. I, I didn't have the basis I think I knew who he was uh, but didn't really care to listen didn't care to find out more you know somebody would have came and talked to me about it and and I would have been polite and listened but I would have blown it off the second they walked away right so you've kind of told us how you came to realize that and how Mm -hmm. you grew into that but how you know tell us you know tell us more about how you came to be into the bicycles you know I know a lot of these listeners want to know about you know that secular career that you've been so great at for (laughs) so many years so tell us about that and then we're going to kind of see how those have overlapped absolutely so when i I, i've been riding bmx bikes since i
1: was quite young i learned how to ride bikes and i was jumping jumps in the yard when i was five six years old um we'd set up you know the little wood kickers with like the plywood and the 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 firewood (laughs) in the yard and uh Brothers and I did that, and then it wasn't until I was about 14 that uh, I rode my first ramp, and we actually carved a little quarter pipe out of uh, a dirt hill uh, by, by one of the Walmarts in town. I went out there with with a couple buddies, and probably my brother, and uh, we would ride this little quarter pipe a little bit, and then we built one in our yard, a wood quarter pipe, and it was that was the first time I ever rode like an actual ramp that wasn't just something that was kind of like, we just kind of makeshift. How old are you here? Makeshift. 14 years old. 14? Um, and yeah, it was kind. Of, it was almost one of those meant to be things because the first time I ever touched a wooden quarter pipe and this is like, we had no idea what we were doing. We just kind of like saw somewhere like we, you know, we, we made like a makeshift tranny out of like two by fours. It was like three, two by fours. And then we soaked a piece of three quarter in the pond till it got pliable and we just like pushed it down and screwed it down so it would, it would maintain the shape. Six foot transition with a foot avert, which is ridiculous. <laughs> But the first day we ever rode it, we actually had a session on it. I actually aired like a foot out of it. So it was like, it's almost like it was meant to be. Cause like, that's like, that ramp would be very difficult to ride for me right now because of how it is. And, uh, (laughs) I actually got really good on that thing. We ended up cutting the vert off of it It eventually. It's just a six foot quarter that stopped at vert. But I used to air out of that thing, like seven or eight feet
2: out of that thing. And I can just picture like that foot of vert and coming back off of vert and landing completely oh, to the bottom flat. and there's there's hardly any transitional landings Yes, so you had to be
1: like spot on and uh they built the first public free skate park in texas was built in tyler texas the town i lived in or i still live in but um that was built in 98 so i would have been like 15 when that when that was built and uh, basically from the time that was built i mean i was out there every chance i could get and i was homeschooled so my mom would take me out to the park and i would do my homeschool work on the bench at the park before i could go ride but from the time i I could actually get out there like easily myself like i was out there as much as i possibly could be i mean seven eight ten hours a day sometimes depending so i spent a lot of time on the bike and uh got pretty good at it pretty fast and that kind of progressed into oh well let's go to dallas and ride the skate parks in dallas eisenbergs or, or uh, grand prairie extreme gpx which is now alliance skate park um they had like the x-trials there in i think 2001 ish somewhere in there and then i started going to actual like local contests doing well in those and then Outside of that, going to like bigger uh, amateur slash professional contests
2: and so was this like just 17, progressed. 18 years old?
1: Yeah, yeah. It would have been like well, probably 16, 17
2: ish. So, yeah, somewhere in there. So it was like 2001. So I mean, literally like two years after you hit your first homemade quarter pipe with a foot of vert on it, yeah. And yeah now so you that you're was competing. That, yeah, that so was. There's nine, a natural ability that came along. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it
1: definitely progressed quite quickly. So I'd say probably within three years I was uh, started riding professional competitions
2: so with this you know you're talking 14 you kind of really start riding and hitting those first ramps mm-hmm. 16 starting to compete and going up to the skate parks in Dallas at the same time these teenage years is when you're recognizing you know what it means to truly surrender yourself to Christ mm-hmm. how did those two things coincide like did the pressures of the sport or was there any pressure at the sport at that time was it just fun so you competed and you did well or was there struggles that came along with the competing at that point? Uh, it was honestly, it was just fun for me at that point
1: in time. Um, it still is. I mean, I still, I still enjoy. It. I, the the day that it becomes not fun is that's the day when I probably think about hanging it up. And it's still, right. it's still a lot of fun. So I'm still gonna keep keep going at it. But um, I would say, I mean, you know, I've never been um, very, I've never really cared what other people think like opinions and stuff so it's never i've never been like swayed too hard by the peers in the sport and obviously the sport is uh there's not a lot of guys that uh are believers in the sport there are quite a few but it's you know vastly outnumbered by yeah um so it's i've never really had an issue with being like uh i guess tugged away or pulled away from, from my core beliefs, I should say. Um, but that being said, I've, I've always been fairly, um, confident in who I am like, and, and, and secure. Um, so it's never really been, that's never really been very difficult for me. Now, obviously there are, everyone deals with, with temptations and, and you you know, that, that type of stuff. And that's, that's just ongoing for everyone every day but um it boils down to essentially selfishness what i want to do when i want to do it, that type of stuff right but um for the most part you have all that that span where I'm just kind of doing what i want to do and very in uh what it, i guess immersed in BMX in doing what I want to do as far as that goes and that's I think why I got so good at it so fast but at the same time coming out the other side of that uh, and realizing what it means to be a Christian and the influences that you can have positively on your peers and the people around you uh, is when I started realizing that I actually had a platform it kind of coincides around the same spot because I was in all the BMX magazines and I'm going on like all the big road trips, the videos and stuff, props, road fools, all that type of stuff. And I've always been more, um, I like, I like these events that, that we, that you guys do because you're very bold and very just like, here's the gospel. I, I love that, that boldness, but I've also, the way I've always approached That is living amongst your peers they get to know you for who you are and there's if there's something different about you when they're going through a hard time they want to know what's different
2: right yeah and that's because I I go through the
1: same hard the hard times that everyone else goes through like there's no difference you know like as far as that's concerned Um, so it's kind of like you know when, when Jesus cast out the demons into the swine and and like (laughs) <laughs> the the man that was possessed like wanted to follow Jesus. He said, "Now go back and live." That's technically the first missionary right there. Right. Jesus said, "Go back Tell where you live body. and people will see the difference in you. Mm-hmm. The people that know you will see the difference." So that's kind of like always been my attitude towards that. If someone wants to talk about it, I am always down to talk about my my faith, um, and I know what I believe and why I believe it, and I have no problem talking about it um but i'm i'm less so you know in i don't want to be in someone's face and be you know off-putting if that makes sense
2: 100 I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because like but the event we did in Pueblo, you know that was one of the ones that you know maybe some people thought we were a little abrupt i heard rumors of that we were abrupt mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because it was really you guys, as the stunt dudes, were the only ones saying anything about the gospel, right? Which was a lot more testimony sharing. What I like to do, like I, I'm with you, like building the relationship with others, and and just coinciding. Like I'm not here to condemn anybody, and and, and as Christians, we shouldn't be. And I think that happens yeah. a lot in the church world sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember using the term "bible thumping goody goodies" because you know, when I was amidst my addiction in the darkness, you know, I was judged by the church. I was judged by people. And I think we can still have that problem now. And I like Mm -hmm. to say it's it's not that um, my life is better than yours because I found Christ. It's just that my life is better than it used to be because I found Christ. And that's what I want everybody to know. Um, So I I love that relationship piece. I think everything has its point, right? Not everybody's going to catch it, but I like the testimony sharing of it to say, "Hey, this is who I was. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus brought me out of, and I want you to know about it." Because then, if you have a question, yeah, you know, you're maybe you're open to ask. But I, I love that—that that was kind of your ministry was just being alongside those guys, and, and right. I love that you're able to basically continue to toe the line and, and you follow your core values and biblical I, principles. And,
1: right, and and the the thing that I've always been cognizant of is. I'm not ashamed to talk about it if right. it comes up because, you know, like that's like one of the things that I, uh, I said in an interview one time, uh, was someone asked me like, uh, what was the, the question had to do with essentially what, what would be like my greatest fear? And it would be that literally let no one knew that I was a Christian. Mm. If you don't right. know that I'm a Christian, then it doesn't show. I'm not doing. Yeah, I'm. There's no. There's no evidence of it. And I you know, faith it. without I'm works good. is dead. Like that. That type of thing and so like that would be because that. That's the. The proof is in the pudding. Like right. if it's not obvious or evident, then there's something wrong there. That that like I'm not. I'm not living what I what I believe. So. I have no problem talking about it and, and put it, and I've done interviews like there was that really good interview that uh, a good friend put together for uh, dig magazine or no, it was a dig or ride UK. I have been I have been ride UK. Uh, but it was the, it was kind of like, I was surprised they actually went with it because it, it, they called it the God question. And he basically found, uh, was it four or five? I think there were 10 of us total, so five believers and five atheists, outspoken atheists, and asked us the same 10 questions. Like, do you believe in a higher power? Uh, do you, are you at all uh, concerned about proof? Uh, do you have any proof to back up your belief? Like, stuff like that. And it was really like, at first I was like, oh my goodness, when he told me he had this idea for this this interview, I was like, wow, this is, like I, I halfway expected it to be kind of like a trap like we're gonna Mm -hmm. i'm gonna try to catch you in something but then when i actually got it and i read it i was i was really pleasantly surprised because he was very um neutral because i know where he stands the guy who put the article i know where he stands on, on the situation uh and it was very like telling when the questions were very you know, like they, they seemed like they were kind of like pointed to like trap one of them Christians into, into saying, <laughs> saying, you know, contradicting himself. But you know, like are you at all concerned with proof? Like that sounds like a loaded question. But the answer of course is of course I'm concerned with proof. And there's proof everywhere. And let me just explain a couple of the things that I've witnessed in my life that God's shown me that proves to me. And it might not be for everyone else, because God does the calling, God does the pulling, the tugging of the heartstrings, we don't, and that was, getting a little bit off on a tangent here, but that was something that also I realized, is I don't have to save anybody, God saves people, all I have to do is be prepared to give an answer for why I have the joy that's in my heart, Right. and when I kind of realized that, I was like, oh, you mean like, I literally don't have to do the work, I just have to tell... What happened to me and it's like it's almost like relaxing at that point you can almost be like oh i can relax because it's not my job to save people it's god god does that but if we can present something to someone that god can use for that in their life then that's awesome and whether it's the angle that I'm coming at where it's like, okay, I'm just going to live and be me around the people that I know or whether it's, hey, guys, here's the gospel. This is it. This is what Jesus did for us. Watch us do tricks. Like, you know, like, they're, they're two different, ends, different sides of the coin, but they're both very useful. God can use anything is right. what it amounts to. Even the hellfire and brimstone guy in the street corner, I've always been kind of like... Right. That, when that's, I when I like that one to that me that's kinda cringe. I'm like, oh, guy, like you're going to somebody, hell if right? right? But if there's somebody that walks by and goes, I'm going to hell? Wait right. a minute, maybe I should look at this. You know, but guy can
2: use it. And, that, God, and that's the thing, right? They the I shut the car off and then it just got right. really hot all of a sudden. But the uh you know the they leave the ninety nine, right? Uh, one person. Mm-hmm. So like if that guy on the street corner reaches one person, and one person questions and says, I wonder if but yeah. as we get further in time, like I, I love, I, I like the approach. I like the relationship. But I heard said once, um, mm-hmm. Pastor Joaquin Molina spoke at a, a men's conference, and he talked about um, making Christian life so attractive to everybody around you that there's never a question of which way they want to go. And I think he was more referring to his kids. Mm-hmm. But if you, the way you present yourself, the way you live your life, the happiness that's in you because the Holy Spirit's in you because you're walking with Jesus, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to tell everybody that, that I am. Yeah. I have a tendency to want to tell everybody because I'm so excited about where I was, right? you know, eight years ago versus where I am now. And like, that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm like i want people to know like we're down here at this wakeboard event and there's guys that i haven't seen since when i you know here we are eight years later and I haven't seen yeah. a few of these guys and they don't hardly don't even recognize me because right? you're, you're a lot
1: different right? because
2: I'm a lot different i am right. changed and then they ask you know what's the change well yeah. let me tell you about it but yeah being so attractive like walking with Jesus is so attractive that those around you want to know that differently and that's right. what you said you know they they know you're a Christian when time gets rough you've been nice enough and, and kind enough and alongside of them not judging them to the point where they say hey you know Morgan what's up like Right, it's not not my job. It's not my job to judge anybody. No, 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 none of our
1: jobs. In God's eyes, it's all sin, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's just sin. If it's me uh, having, you know, the, the the typical, I didn't go off the deep end lifestyle, but guess what? I've lied. I've done this. I've done that. You know, I haven't put God first in my life. It's a sin. It's no different than the other extreme murdering somebody or whatever or whatever it is that it's 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 sin period it's it's dirt it's mud in the water and the only way around that is to be washed clean
0: thank you again for listening to faith in the fast life if this podcast impacted you please share it send it to a friend and also like and subscribe to our podcast pages you can check out fast life ministries on instagram by searching faith in the fast life or just fast life ministries